a desert planet with twin suns. Cassian Ander. This is what revolution looks like. People are standing up. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for tuning in to this week's and or review and breakdown. We're breaking down episode six. It was an awesome, awesome episode, and I can't wait to talk about it with y'all. So without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. Like I said, today we're going to be going through episode six of Andor season one titled The Eye. And like always, I'm going to start with my non-spoiler review, followed by my full spoiler review and breakdown, and then ending it off with my theories about where the show is going to go moving forward. So that being said, my non-spoiler view is that this episode was tense. It was gritty and suspenseful with very interact, very impactful and nuanced character interactions. And it felt like all of the excitement of Rogue One crammed into 45 minutes in the best possible way. And I think that this was a really great way to mark the middle of the season. And I can't wait to see where we go to next. So that's about all that I felt like I could say without giving too much away. So the rest of this episode will have spoilers. So this is your standard spoiler warning. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Let's get into it. So right off the bat, the opening scene with Cassian and Nemec is awesome. I love just the dialogue in this episode is just chef's kiss. It's so good. Uh, Nemec says to Cassian, I'm struggling to understand why my faith doesn't calm me. I believe in something. Why am I so unsettled? This is very almost biblical, uh, even if you're not a Christian or not a believer. This idea of wrestling with faith and um, sort of trying to approach life in a way that's like faithful to what you believe, but also like kind of grappling with the fear and apprehension that you feel surrounding certain things. It's a super interesting thing. And I thought that that was a really beautiful line. And I love this idea that Cassian brings to the table that the Empire doesn't care about the little people. As much as the rebels might try to uh, be relevant in the eyes of the Empire, they really couldn't care less. They're very inconsequential to them, and so the rebels are really trying to make them notice, and they might end up regretting that. Um, and then this whole idea of Nemec saying, well, okay, so are we just supposed to roll over on our on our backs and show our bellies and just take whatever is given to us and be thankful for that. And Cassian's response is, do I look thankful to you? And then at the end of it all, because Nemec was saying that he couldn't sleep well due to all of the excitement about what's to come and nervousness. Um, Cassian says, you'll sleep when it's done, which is rip. I figured he was, he wasn't going to make it, but. Obviously, that's a spoiler, and we'll touch on it more later, but that was just super sad watching it a second time. The music throughout this episode is absolutely perfect. It adds to the tension wonderfully. It's not super distracting, but it's there, and you know it's there. And I think that that's the perfect way to score an episode, and it just like gives you that tight feeling in your chest that something bad is about to happen, and it's just all building towards this imperfect storm that works so very well. And we get such great character development for the Aldani team. Um, first off, we have Vel. She's very strong. But in this episode, we see that she's very hesitant. She wants what's best for her people and for the cause, but she's very scared and nervous. We see this as she's kind of hesitates to give the all-clear sign to Terraman or Terraman. And she kind of once she's in the zone, she's in it. And she's pretty brutal, actually. But 
she kind of had a little trouble stepping off uh, to get to that point. Cinta, we learned that her family was killed by stormtroopers, and she's also presumably in a romantic relationship with Vel. She doesn't have many speaking lines, so we don't know too much about her, but she was the only one that was left behind uh, after their escape, which seemed to be by design. Nemec, he's very wide-eyed and optimistic. He's the youngest of the group and believes in the cause, and he's very nervous but eager. I think that he's probably the best character so far because he kind of um, really shows this really cool young perspective for the Rebels and this idea of, like, we're really here to make a difference, which is juxtaposed with people like Skeen and Cassian, where they're more hardened and have seen the toll that this kind of fight can take on people. That being said, Skeen is really only in it for himself. We see this many, many times, but in particular, we see it when he doesn't provide adequate cover fire for Terraman and gets him killed because he doesn't want to get shot himself and prefers to hide rather than provide cover fire for his teammate, which was just so sad because Terraman's an awesome character. And then, of course, we see it at the very end of the episode when he offers to split the pot with Cassian and essentially ditch everyone else. Um, this idea that he they were both born in the hole and they all they really know is to climb over someone else to get out. And obviously Cassian doesn't take him up on that, but it, it's still just... Ugh, it's a, He's a gross character. He just sucks. And I think that he was played very, very well just because he's slimy. He, he's only only in it for his own gain. Um, he's, not, he's not really committed to the cause. And then we get to Terraman, who is formerly a stormtrooper. I think these kinds of characters are fascinating. Um, I wish that this is sort of how we got to see Finn, where he's very militant and authoritative and likes giving orders, uh, which and it also puts him in tension with Cinta, since her family was killed by stormtroopers. But this idea that he is trying to make amends for his past life and is using his knowledge of Imperial tactics to their advantage, I think is something that was a missed opportunity for the sequel trilogy and for Finn's storyline, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Lieutenant Gorn. He's been on Aldani for seven years serving the Imperials. He is sick of Imperial oppression and brutality and wants to make a difference, and so that's what led him to team up with these rebels. And I love the interaction between him and the Commandant, which is, the Commandant says, you'll hang for this. And Gorn says, seven years serving you, I deserve worse than that. And it's this idea of making, once again, same as Terraman, making amends and trying to sort of right the ship. We see that, saw that with Tala in the, uh, in the Kenobi show as well. And then Clem, obviously it's not actually Clem, it's Cassian, but he works very effectively and seamlessly as part of the team. He's not sold on quote-unquote, the cause yet, but we do see his brutality and recklessness on display as he chooses to shoot Skeen point-blank rather than talk things out. But we also see that he is committed enough to some sort of moral codex to not just take the money and run. Um, so he's a very conflicted character, but he does have some sort of moral direction, um, regardless of how brutal and sort of in it for himself he might seem. The uh, the infiltration team, that's like the guys that are in uniform, 
uh, refer to themselves as Echo, uh, Echo One, which could have something to do with Echo Base, which is the base on Hoth that we see in um, Empire Strikes Back. Could be. That's just the thought that I had. Uh, the heist, in my opinion, was just perfectly imperfect. They were behind schedule the entire time, so there was this tension of like being up against the clock. Uh, their frequency jammer doesn't work appropriately, which sends some of the facility's troops down to the vault, and that causes a third of the team to die, um, which is super sad. And that escape, and even escaping, brings its own tragedy when Nemec is paralyzed and eventually dies. And I'll talk about his death later. But first, I want to talk about Commandant Behaz. Um, he's like the the officer in charge of the base that wasn't the uh, the colonel that came in from Coruscant. And what I find interesting is that he's an awful person, but he has a family, and this kind of humanizes him in a way that Imperials aren't normally humanized. They're normally just kind of these evil individuals with no real nuance to them. But the scene where the rebels have infiltrated the base and are holding him and his family at gunpoint is like genuinely upsetting, even though he's shown to be very cold and abusive, which I think is a super cool little glimpse into the fact that, oh, these Imperials are people and they, while they're like these evil and twisted individuals, they still have people in their lives that are independent of that and could be collateral for any, any, any of their actions or not collateral damage. And that's just super sad and, like I said, really upsetting, but I thought that that was portrayed very, very well. Next up, we have the Donnie. And as explained by the Commandant, they're very uh, vulnerable to manipulation. They are perceived as very simple and primitive uh, by the Imperials, and they have been determined to be incapable of diversified thought. Basically, the Imperials choose to give them an abundance of options uh, in order to make them spend time, more time than necessary, um, focused on choosing a course of action so that they don't actually realize that they haven't been given any good choices to begin with. And they are very stubborn and prideful. They would rather lose and suffer than accept and submit. They are offered transport um, to view the eye but the Imperials know that they will refuse this, so they strategically place rest stops along their pilgrimage to discourage them from continuing and also deny them access to their uh, sacred valley moving forward and give them a way to view this important event to their culture um, that's been fabricated by the Empire. So what they're doing is systematically dismantling their culture in a way um, that sort of separates them from their original way of life and conforms them to this imperial ideal until they've unknowingly boxed themselves into submission through complacency. Um, and it seems as though they will soon be imperial slaves um, that will be working to create this new imperial facility. But that's just a very interesting way of seeing how the imperial breaks people. They are obviously very militant and very brutal, but they're essentially making these people beat themselves. They're allowing these people to sort of back themselves into a corner of, like I said, complacency and sort of uh, this idea of like, oh, this is good enough. And 
eventually they won't have any sort of identity left to sort of rally behind and unify them in any sort of rebellious activity. And so it's essentially just conformity. That's all they're promoting is this this um this like just sort of norm that will keep people from having any sort of diversified thought that could lead to some sort of uprising, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, The eye. The foreboding shooting stars as a sort of like marker for the impending event is super cool. And it's also cool to see how the rebels sort of used these um, meteorites to their advantage, masking their movements while most of the like the most of the Imperials would be distracted. And also, side note, the underwater speeder that Vel and Cinta use remind me um, of the ones that are used on in the Moncala arc, the underwater arc in Clone Wars. I think it's the start of season four. Side note, but that that's that. The visuals for the eye itself was inc- were incredible. I think they were far better and more grand than I would have ever expected from a TV show, which good on them because this event has been hyped up for the last two episodes and so to have it be like very satisfying and beautiful and colorful was was awesome and i i really enjoyed that whole sequence um and i thought that the juxtaposition between the donnie celebration against the heist added to the tension very very well and the ending chase through the meteors was incredible very reminiscent of trying to escape the death star blast on jeddah um Death Star Blast. I don't know if I just had a lisp there, but um, just all in all, that sequence was just beautiful and suspenseful, but it, it just looked and worked so very well. So good on them. It was awesome. Nemec's death. Tragic because it was avoidable and they were out. They had made it, but it was just this imperfect series of events and he paid the price. And it's just really, really sad and really tragic. And, like, it was just, that that's the saddest part, is they were out, they had done it. And then he gets pinned between two carts. And then he dies. And he knows Cassian has what it takes to make a difference, so he gives him his manifesto, and I think that that will really shape and inform Cassian's view moving forward. The Imperial Security Bureau is in crisis mode. They are listening now. They have, uh, the rebels have their attention so we'll see how they handle um, that sort of scrutiny moving forward. And the Imperial Senate is much emptier than during the Republic, and no one seems very focused. But um, Mon Mothma is talking about the Gorman people, which I find it only uh, fair to point out the Gorman massacre, which Mon Mothma has been talking about the Gorman people for a while and how the Empire has sort of shut off trade routes and supply lines to them. But Mon is speaking about the oppression of the Gorman people. And the Gorman massacre saw the slaughter of peaceful protesters on uh, the planet Gornum, Gor- Gorum, Gorman by Imperials. And Mon Mothma actually will later, I think this is in the year 2 BBY, um, and this show takes place in the year 5 BBY. But um, Mon Mothma in 2 BBY will actually speak out uh, publicly and blame Palpatine for this massacre, which causes the Empire to go after her and try to arrest her. Um, and in order to escape arrest, she's actually helped by the Ghost crew in Star Wars Rebels episode 
I don't know which season or what episode it is, but it's the episode titled Secret Cargo. So pretty cool thing there. Um, and yeah, just a cool little tie in to see how she was very passionate about this several years before the actual massacre occurred. And so that it's understandable why she would find it very personal. Um, it's about all that I have for the episode. As far as my review goes, I was stressed out the whole episode in a really great way. Um, they are late and fighting the clock the whole episode, which I think is just a great way to add a ton of suspense just inherently to the narrative. And we know the casting survives, but there's no telling who of the rest of the team does. And the whole thing was just very intense, exciting, sad, and beautiful. And it shows the cost of fighting a war and the toll that it takes on the people fighting it. And I think that I've come to realize that this show is less a show about Cassie and Andor and more a glimpse into the progress of the rebellion and um, how different rebel efforts sort of progress throughout the galaxy through Cassian's perspective as he becomes more and more committed to the cause, um, which I think is super cool. And also, I think that four out of the seven die in this episode. So the only ones that are alive of the team at the end of it all are Cinta, Vel, and Cassian. So it's a pretty heavy toll. And while I do wish that they had spent more time to sort of develop these characters throughout the last couple episodes, I think that this episode did a really good job of making their deaths feel really, really sad and really tragic. So good stuff. I really enjoyed it. Before we head out, let's dive into visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. Just based on the way that this show has been progressing, I think that we can expect two more three-episode arcs uh, following other Rebel stories, just because the first three episodes focused on Ferrix, these last three episodes focused on Aldani, and so I think that we'll get three and three about other stories that Cassian will will be going through. Um, Luthen and Mon Mothma will continue to be weaved in um, in different ways. I think we'll probably learn more about Cassian's sister. Uh, Vel and Cinta will continue to be involved. Cyril Karn is coming back eventually. He wasn't in this episode, but uh, we know that he'll be back in some capacity later. Deidre Miro is about to get into the action, and I think that we could... I know that we shouldn't expect many cameos in this show, but like I think that it could make sense if we saw someone like Ahsoka, maybe Kanan and Hera, um, Bail Organa, Director Krennic, Darth Vader, Palpatine... Any of these characters, just as either a mention or as a brief cameo, I think could make a lot of sense. So um, I'm not getting my hopes up because I know that that's not really what the show is trying to do, but I think that it could make sense. And so to see them, if they do end up being involved, could be really, really cool. Um, that being said, that's all that I have. Make sure you stay tuned for this Friday. I'm going to have this month's edition of The Ability to Speak Does Not Make You Intelligent with some good content creation friends of mine. Um, so we're going to talk about content creation and just why we love Star Wars. It's going to be an awesome time. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, yeah, next week we're going to have another regular episode on Monday, followed by another review and breakdown for the next Andor episode on Wednesday. So if you haven't already, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcast. That's super helpful, um, for getting this out to more people. So if you enjoy what I do, please, please, please follow us. Uh, on 
your podcast platform. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, that's at Twin Sun Talks on Instagram. Twin Sun Talks podcast on YouTube. And just search Twin Sun Talks. Click follow wherever you get your podcasts. It's super, super helpful for getting my podcast uh, my episodes out to more and more people. So I appreciate any support that you have. If you enjoy this, also feel free to share it with people that would also be appreciated. And um, yeah, appreciate all of y'all and can't wait to see y'all in the next episode. With that said, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye friends.